Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. More, more substantial uh, matters. Uh, Jonathan DeBurka Butler joins us once again to bring us news from around the world. Jonathan, good afternoon to you. 87 euros or 87 pounds? 87 euros. Okay. That's a bargain he for got 87 paid in euros. Yeah, uh, I mean, and, he probably threw it in the bin. And the joy that has brought is, is immeasurable uh, to people, uh, one would imagine. Uh, right, anyway, uh, we're going to go to uh, Brazil first. And uh, this is a bizarre, uh, well, it's more a grotesque story that. Facebook are going to ban selling parts of the Amazon. Yes, they're banning ads for the sale of the Amazon. Now, I should say that this stems from a BBC Our World documentary that went out in February. All right. It's about half an hour long. I've seen the first 10 or 15 minutes of it. It's actually very good if, if you get a chance to, to view it. And during that particular documentary, they, the production team got an undercover operative, right, to pose as a lawyer who was representing wealthy investors from Sao Paulo, right? And they were operating in the territory of um, Rondonia, it's called, I think. You'll have to excuse my pronunciation. Um, which would be a very popular place for Jair Bolsonaro. Like, he got 73% of the vote there in the last election, right? Okay. So they like him there. And the reason they like him there is because a lot of the people who live in the area are farmers. They like clearing land, right? And, you know, raising cattle on it and the various different things like that. And uh, so deforestation and that kind of thing is very... Uh, big problem in this part of the world and Facebook and it seems absolutely bizarre but it is 100% true allow people to advertise the sale of land in the Amazon that they do not own now this was one of the questions that I had about and this is why I went into the documentary to see mm. these are people who advertise they show photographs of these plots of land and they might say 830 hectares. That was one of the figures of land right in the middle of a protected area of the Amazon, right, for sale. And these people are basically saying, we don't even own this, but we'll sell it to you. And now how they're doing that, I don't know. They're do- they- there's a couple of ways they do. They get it. They, you know, how they can legally do it, I don't know. Obviously, there's so many levels of mm. legality, right? But they, they have go-betweens that they, they, they meet. And they advertise these things and they show you and they had this undercover guy who was brought to a place when it was originally advertised it was covered in forest. When he was brought to the place it had been cleared and subsequently the price for this plot of land that the person who was selling it to him did not own went up three times, went up threefold. Because they cleared it already. Because they cleared it already. And ready-made land is more, far more valuable, obviously, because of the labour-intensive mm. uh, manner of what has to be done to get rid of the trees. So, um, really bizarre. Anyway, as a result of this particular documentary, Brazil's Supreme Federal Court ordered an inquiry into the sale of the protected areas of Amazon. Pressure came on, so that's in one strand of it. A bit of pressure came on to Facebook as well, and they've now decided that they are going to look at... Um, clamping down at least on the illegal sale of protected areas uh, in the Amazon on its site. They're going to look at it. Yeah, they haven't said exactly how they're 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 going to initially they said they hadn't they they didn't say what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. And then they came up with this sort of vague uh, plan that they were going to use the UN's Environment Programme, UNEP, a database from them and get data and merge it together and, and basically look at what was legally sellable and what wasn't 
what wasn't allowed mm. to be sold. Yeah. But people have pointed out that basically if they don't, you know, use geomapping or whatever they call it with this, that they're not necessarily going to be able to, to find it. Uh, these yes, plots of lands yes. and, you know, tally the data that they have. Um, so I think what conservationists are calling for is a, an absolute sweep of the whole thing. Just take down all of the ads that are selling land within the Amazon, whether they're protected or not protected. Mm. Uh, and that's the way around it. And Amazon are say, or sorry, Facebook are saying, it's not really anything to do with us. I mean, we're, you know, we're not the law here. We're, we're not the ones who are able to enforce this. We'll do what we can, but we're not going to go that far. Yeah. Well, they could just say we're not going to carry any more adverts selling bits yeah. of the Amazon. Yeah. But there would, of course, be bits of land that are being sold legally that happen to be in the Amazon. Sure. And that's probably the argument, the 2% of land <laughs> that is legal. They'll say, well, no, you know, there's a small amount there that we can sell legally and we don't want to hurt the people who are selling it legally. But it's total rubbish. Uh, but it's still, uh, it still doesn't answer the question how somebody could put up an advert for land in the Amazon forest that they don't own. That they don't own. I, I know. And, and it's the, bizarre. The, it, it is really... And I, I I looked into it and there's just, they kept saying, the people who have been interviewed, that there are ways around it, i.e. corruption, you know, paper. You're, you're talking about the middle of nowhere. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And one guy in the interview basically said, one, one very simple way of stopping environmental agencies from getting into the land to look at it, to see where it is located, is basically just destroying the road that leads into it. You can imagine if you're working mm. for an agency, you're going up a road and you want to get home for your dinner before the night, go, night falls. You can, well, I don't think we'll go up there. We'll just go back and sign off and say it's grand. Nobody's, nobody's there. You so know? this so, could be land that just belongs to the state or maybe doesn't belong to anyone. Exactly, yeah. And these people are just brazenly selling it or advertising it for sale. Yeah, my word. Sierra Leone we're going to go to next where they've banned the death penalty. They have a good news story. This is President Julius Madabio on Friday. He signed a bill basically abolishing the death penalty. Now, the last time that executions took place in Sierra Leone were, it was during the Civil War. So the Civil War was between 1991 and 2002. Um, a lot of people died in that, 120,000 people there, thereabouts. So the last executions, 24 military officers uh, were executed in 1998. Um, there have been death sentences, but they have been commuted since then. Uh, so Sierra Leone, like many areas uh, in, in that part of Africa, have decided that they are going to ban the death penalty now. So yeah. it's a good news story. Short story, but a good news yeah, story. And, and they didn't have to have a, a plebiscite or anything. No, they didn't. I a... think it was uh, lawmakers voted yeah. to end it in July and then the president signed off on it and, court, of course, made a lovely speech about what a wonderful man he was. <laughs> yes. Now, the, the, the spat between Algeria and France is, uh, is continuing. Uh, what's going on there? So this is something that's been going on for uh, a few days. It has, has two strands, really. OK, mm. so the, the first part of it is that, um, and I think this is the crux of it, to be honest with you, is that last week France said it was going to reduce the number of visas it grants citizens of Algeria, Morocco and Tunisia, right? Now, it says the reason it's doing this is because the former colonies aren't doing enough to allow illegal migrants in France to go back to those countries, right? So they're saying that... There's basically, if France decides that they're not going to allow migrants to come in, there's documentation that they have to get from the Algerian side or Tunisia, Morocco, mm. to repatriate them. And they're saying that their embassies aren't delivering those pieces of paper, right? So that they're dragging their heels in order not to bring the the, the rejected migrants back into the country. So Algeria isn't happy about that claim. 
and also during the week Macron I think he was at a school or something like that and he was answering questions about Algeria and he sort of put his foot in it saying that there was uh, that the Algerian system is tired and that it had been weakened by this this sort of pro-democracy movement, Hirak, uh, which has been around for the last two years. It, he's sort of saying that even though Bouteflika is gone, that the new president is 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 head of a you know a, a military junta effectively, and mm-hmm. an awful lot of reform that needs to happen hasn't happened. And the 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 president Taboun, the new guy. Um, wasn't particularly happy about that, and nor were the Algerian authorities. So they've stopped France flying over their land, um, which is slightly irritating for the French, given that they have to go back and forth, you know, over Algeria in order to get to the Sahel, where there's an awful lot of um, uh, terrorism and the like that they're they're involved in or trying to stop. Uh, so it's a bit irritating, but but that's all they're saying. You know, the French are saying operations are going ahead. It's a, a, a small inconvenience, uh, but it, it's 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 only slightly impacting our operations, and everything will will go swimmingly. Yeah, but Algeria doesn't. I think you told us you were telling about us about this before that in Algeria they banned what they deem to be fake news, meaning any news oh, yeah. we don't like. Absolutely, yeah. Any news that uh, any news that they don't like, and and I think there was there's been a few things. I think earlier in the year there was. Uh, a documentary about this pro-democracy movement Hirak and again the regime didn't like it. It, it 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 withdrew its ambassador to France and it's done it again now because of this thing so um, yeah relations are poor they've always been fairly tetchy as you know for obvious reasons you know mm. um, uh, but uh, it's 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 not good for the wider region either I suppose yeah now, uh, Turkey uh, is next where uh, a, a, a trial there has reopened. These are about the protests uh, back in 2013. Yeah, do you, do you remember the mm. Gezi Park protest? Mm. This was this was part of Erdogan's... Um, the earlier years, I suppose, of Erdogan back in 2013 when there was a chance of getting rid of him, I suppose, <laughs> through popular protest, but he's, he's stuck around ever since. And Gezi Park is a park in the middle of Istanbul and he was going to... I don't think they went ahead with it in the end, but he was going to build a, a replica Ottoman barracks in this particular park and it led to widespread protests, which got an awful lot of coverage, actually. It became a very popular... I think there were other, other movements around the world that yes. were going on around mm. the time and kind of... Uh, linked in with that. Um, but one of the leaders, so-called leaders, a man by the name of Osman Kavala, who was uh, qu- quickly labelled a, 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 an ally of Fatullah Gulen, who of course is Erdogan's sworn enemy, um, was arrested four years after that in 2017, right? Now, he was arrested on two, two for two things, right? He was arrested for being the leader of that protest, which he probably wasn't. And he was also arrested for his alleged uh, involvement in the 2016 coup, right? So he's been, he has been charged with these things. He's been put on trial with these thi- about these charges and he's been acquitted about six times. Every time he's acquitted, he gets rearrested and he stays in jail, right? So he's been in jail for four years. And now they, they, have, <laughs> they have overturned that, the latest acquittal around the Gezi Park um, protests and he is on, up for uh, retrial again. So it's uh, it's quite an extraordinary thing. Uh, what kind of a, a legal system do they have in Turkey that you can be rearrested on the same charge have you been found innocent of? Uh, I think it's called uh, whatever Erdogan wants he gets system. Uh, that that that's basically it. I mean, apparently at the latest 
um, at the latest hearing, right, there was which took place just last week, there was about 35 Western diplomats there, okay, or a mm. good few Western diplomats, sorry, 35 defendants, because it's a mass trial of all these people who have been acquitted and are now going on trial again. And um, they are just saying that it's, it's, it's a joke shop, really, and uh, that there are no, there's no human rights being observed here at all. So the European Council have now given a warning to, effectively to Erdogan, basically saying that they're going to, you know, look at bringing in um, infringement proceedings against Turkey. This is the Council of Europe, sorry, uh, if they don't let him go, uh, this this particular man in particular. So, um, you know, it's 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 something that's been going on for a while in Turkey and uh, it's indicative of, of, of that continuing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Azerbaijan next, uh, kind of similar-ish story. A uh, member of the opposition gets 13 years in prison. What did they do? I, I think what's bizarre about this is that it is the bodyguard of the leader of the member of, of the opposition. So the the bodyguard in question is a, a man by the name of Neam Medin Akhmadov, okay? And he was originally arrested back in mid-April uh, for... Uh, basically breaking the rules around sanitary regulations around COVID, right? He was arrested for that. He was charged and was sent to prison for 30 days. However, while he was in prison, they came up with these charges against him of financing terrorism. Now, obviously, his supporters say there's absolutely no evidence of that. But in Azerbaijan, they're very good at finding evidence around these things. They charged him and uh, he has now been sentenced to 13 years in prison for this. A really quick turnaround Mm. and uh, no sign of him getting out anytime soon. Why the bodyguard, though? I mean, it's not as if he were a particularly powerful individual. I know. um, They obviously believe that he is uh, and they they obviously feel that they can't get at the the leader of the opposition. This is um, Ali Karamili is the leader of the opposition. He's been around for a long time probably has connections to the top brass there as well, even though the top brass don't don't like him. But they obviously feel that they can't go directly after him and they'll get the bodyguard instead. They might feel they have evidence against him as well. And while he's in prison, they'll throw these charges at him. And uh, and and uh, that's where he is for now. Uh, or perhaps it's maybe a strategy of turning the bodyguard, perhaps. Could well be, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, right, Afghanistan, uh, it's, it's not as if Afghani- all Afghanistan's problems have been solved by a long chalk. Uh, now, this is a story about uh, an explosion in a mosque. Yeah, I, I think I included this because um, it's it's dropped out of the news cycle. And I yeah. just think it's, we I think we all predicted that it would mm. very quickly, uh, you know, once the Americans went away and they have gone. And the increase in terrorist attacks is quite notable. Um, this particular explosion happened in a Shiite mo- mosque in Kunduz, in uh, the north Afghanistan province of Kunduz on Friday. Um, 43 people were killed the last time I had a look and over 140 were wounded. It happened in a Shiite mosque, okay? And the reason that's significant is because the Taliban straight away came out and they said this afternoon an explosion took place uh, in a mosque of our Shiite compatriots, right? And the language there is interesting because, of course, they would be mainly Sunni and what they're trying mm-hmm. to they do don't here, want to know they want to be, stay on the right side of Iran yeah, presumably yeah. absolutely and, and <clears> I suppose <throat> they want to stay on the right side of the 20% Shiites that are in their population mm. as well now that's at least ostensibly but they're also trying to direct the blame squarely at Islamic State uh, and they are the new enemy within Afghanistan very important for a new regime to have a new enemy mm. and that's exactly what they've got in Islamic State in that part of the world 
Um, so Islamic State have claimed it. Uh, they said that it was a suicide attack. They said that the perpetrator was a Uyghur Muslim, so northern China. Okay. Right. Uh, and they are basically saying that the Taliban have vowed to expel Uyghur Muslims from within Afghanistan. There would be a certain cohort uh, of Uyghurs uh, mm. in, in Afghanistan as well. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one and I don't think it's the last uh, we're going to hear of these kind of uh, horrific events in Afghanistan for a long time. Yeah, that's interesting. about the, why, why, I mean, why did the Taliban want to get uh, rid of Uyghur Muslims? That I do not know. I yeah. have to be honest with you. I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, it, plus, it's interesting, uh, perhaps potentially interesting in the sense that... Uh, Oh, we don't like the Uyghurs either. Hello, hello, China, in a world where we need as many allies as uh, uh, yeah, we can get. There, there absolutely could be an element of that. I, I, I suspect it's, it's probably as much to do with ethnicity as well and, yeah. and that kind of thing. Right, Singapore we're going to go to now and uh, they've passed a new media law there. Yeah, it's a, it's a media law which is called FICA. It's Foreign Interference Countermeasures Act. All right, so you can imagine what it's about, basically. It says that um, it will now allow authorities to order social media sites and interpre- internet providers to disclose user information or block content that they deem to be hostile. Now, the, the mm. part they deem to be hostile is the important bit because this is basically the authority the government themselves who will deem it to be hostile okay so obviously an awful lot of human rights um, uh, organisations have come out and basically says it gives arbitrary power to the government to punish anyone who's based you know uh, you know who has any sort of connection to foreign people at all Mm. which of course means NGOs and all sorts of different things like that who governments might deem to be operating on behalf of foreign governments Um. The government, for their part, are basically saying, well, you know, Singapore, it's not very big, but there's a lot of religions here, you know, Buddhism, uh, Christians, Islam, Tao, Hindu, etc., etc. There's a lot of ethnicities, Chinese, Indians, Malay. There's a bit of tension between them and we don't want outside foreign powers coming in and influencing them and turning them against each other. So it's the same old arguments, mm. all right? Um, but uh, this is what's been brought in now and... Uh, I suppose, look, it's happening in a few countries. I mean, yeah. it's happening well, in Russia, the same Australia. Al- this think, is Algeria again. Yes, this is yeah, a similar absolutely, thing. similar thing. But it's happening in a lot of places now. And it seems to be fairly normal, to be honest with you. And uh, particularly the uh, internet providers, have they, uh, have they expressed any opinion about this? About Are they going to cooperate with this new law? I, d- I don't think so. I didn't see where anything was, was, any opinion was given on that, to be honest with you. Um, I, I suppose they're not going to have much of a choice if they want to operate within the country, to be honest with you. So yeah. So have to... Facebook wants to continue operating, it has to, it has to give the names of people... <laughs> To the, uh, to the stage, it, uh, uh, as as a lawyer might say, it's a law that needs to be tested. Uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll see how it works. Yeah, they'll yeah. sell them a bit of the Amazon uh, <laughs> yeah. while they're doing it. Uh, anything to look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, Jonathan? there's a few things uh, to look out for. So October 13th. What are we today? The 12th, is it? So October yeah. 13th. That's tomorrow. International Day for Natural Disaster Reduction. Um, so so God is giving a, a talk on that. <laughs> yes. I, I think uh, he's the guest speaker. And uh, quite laughably on the same day Russia is hosting the International Energy Conference <laughs> and uh, then on Sunday uh, Cape Verde holds presidential elections so uh, we had a new story about them recently so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the outcome of that is. Jonathan thanks a million thanks, as ever Jonathan de Burke Butler there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.